This is Esculapius, a podcast that uncovers the human side of our healthcare professionals. I'm your host, John Neary. Today, my guest is Dr. Frank Polio. Frank has practiced both internal medicine and geriatrics throughout his career, most recently at the Extended Care and Rehabilitation Center in Salem, Virginia. He received his MD from the University of Pennsylvania and conducted his residency at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. Frank, thanks for joining the show. You're very welcome. So first, to clarify for our viewers, what falls under the umbrella of both internal medicine and geriatrics? Um, pretty much um, everything in geriatrics would uh, be uh, would fall under the umbrella of internal medicine. Uh, it, it's uh, it's really um, mostly the uh, age population that you're dealing with uh, that sort of separates the two. Um, um, someone practicing geriatrics would be primarily concentrating on patients over the age of 65, um, whereas an, an internist might be dealing with 30-year-olds. Uh, you know, um, sure. Towards the end of the, your, career, or your career, it sounded like you were more focused on geriatrics, correct? Yeah, but pretty much the last 25 years of my career has, has been. So I guess the, the big picture question, why, why geriatrics? What really hit home to you about working with older individuals? Uh, it's, uh, they, they, they sort of have a, a, a unique set of problems. That, um, and, uh, you know, with time, I, you know, I, I, um, I sort of became, uh, you, know, you know, comfortable taking care of, of some of the issues that, uh, um, that uh, the, the elderly have to deal with. Um, um, in, in the older population, there's a lot of uh, cognitive decline. Uh, uh, and dementia, uh, that, that, that's something you don't necessarily see in your younger patients. Um, um, there are uh, a lot of issues such as falls or um, uh, skin uh, breakdown that, 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 uh, that you wouldn't necessarily see in, in, uh, in younger patients. Uh, um, so that you, you, I, I sort of pulled, uh, picked up a skill set, you know, you know, with time. Um, um, and... Um, you know, I, the the older patients were the, the patients I felt most comfortable. So you you reference falls and and cognitive uh, issues. Are are those the biggest issues that you've seen among the elderly? Well, uh, you know, functional decline. You know, uh, as people get older and older, uh, um, you know, they uh, you know their their body just isn't really able to do what they used to be able to do in the past. Uh, um, um, you know, uh, end of life issues, you know, uh, as a, a patient enters their, their, their final years, uh, um, there are the things that you need to sort of prepare the patient and the family for, uh, um, you, you see a lot of infectious disease problems in, in older patients, uh, uh, pneumonias are, are very, very common. Urinary tract infection is very common. Um, um, nutritional uh, issues, uh, you know, older, older uh, patients, uh, for one reason or another, uh, may, may get into trouble from a nutritional standpoint, start to lose weight. Uh, and, and those are things that you need to sort of be tuned into and, and be ready to. Uh, was there a particular, uh, out of those, the many things that you mentioned, is there one that was one, one problem that you particularly like working with? Um, 
Well, you know, uh, the, the, the end of life care is, is very important and, and that can be, uh, um, you know, preparing the, the, the patients and, and, and the family for what uh, uh, to expect, I, I think is really one of the most useful things that a physician can do uh, for their elderly patients. Uh, um, very time consuming, but, you know, if it's done right, uh, it sort of gets everyone on the same page. And, um, and uh, I think the, the, the patient and the families are very, very grateful for the, uh, the, the preparation. Um, you, you know, uh, it, it, not, not only giving the patients a prognosis is very important, but, you know, sort of setting things up uh, um, ahead of time, you know, like uh, having the patients uh, uh, set up a living will, um, uh, um, you know, and advanced directives. Uh, you know, trying to help them make decisions about how much or how little medical care they would expect uh, uh, when they, they start to decline. Uh, um, having the, the patient uh, assign a, a decision maker for them. Uh, I've talked to you before and you said one of your, one of the big reasons you got into medicine in general and, and something that sustained you throughout your career was building relationships with patients. Is that correct? Yeah, that, 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 uh, looking back on my career, that, that's the the, probably the the one thing that uh, that I, I enjoyed the most. Uh, uh, you know, I always uh, viewed the, the patients as, as sort of a friend, uh, and uh, it, it was uh, always a nice thing to see my friend back every couple of months and see how what they were doing and how they were doing. Uh, um, uh, you, you know, an internist or a geriatrician can easily have a relationship with a patient for about 5, 10, 15 years, uh, maybe even longer in some cases. Um, so, you know, uh, that, 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 uh, that, that was something that, that was gratifying to, to have those relationships. I saw that you were, you, you were in a number of committees throughout your career. Uh, one that really jumped off the page for me was you were on the Committee of Mortality and Morbidity. Could you explain what that is and what your role was on that committee? Well, um, the Mortality Morbidity Committee uh, was basically a, um, a committee where we would uh, uh, sort of review uh, all of the, the deaths or uh, unexpected, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, accidents or, or uh, outcomes that occur to a patient in the hospital. Uh, um, so let's, let's say someone fell and broke a hip. Uh, you, you know, uh, we would uh, take a look at, at the uh, the patient and the chart and, and and just try to figure out what could have been done differently to have gotten a different outcome. Uh, uh, with regard to deaths, you know, obviously if someone had terminal cancer and uh, a death was expected, the the more you know the morbidity uh, mortality more Committee committee wouldn't really have too much to offer there, but let's say someone died unexpectedly, uh, you know, you're trying to look back and trying to, to figure out whether uh, the patient had maybe a, uh, a bad, you know, drug side effect or uh, perhaps had a diagnosis that was missed. Uh, uh, it, it, it really wasn't meant to be, uh, you know, a, uh, we were not really trying to be punitive with the review. We, we were really uh, trying to use the um, the committee as a way to sort of learn. Uh, I see. So you, it wasn't like you were reviewing doctors' actions and potentially starting a malpractice case. You were just using it purely for learning, learning purposes. purposes. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, in my career, uh, um, you know, when a mistake was made, that 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 really was it was always a learning experience for me. Uh, 
um, you know, if, if, there was, if there was an unexpected outcome or uh, um, an oversight or a mistake, I, I, I always had made it a point to go back, try to research the topic, try to look at what I had done and, uh, and try to come up with a plan so that in the future, if I was presented with the same uh, scenario, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I might do things to, you know differently, um, and and I, and I, I found that that to actually have been a very very useful way to have approached, uh, you know, you know, your problems in my practice. Uh, Was that ever a, a tough situation to deal with, especially with older patients who might have passed away that you felt like there were some oversights or, or things that could have been uh, examined a little more closely? Well, you, you know, uh, as I said, you know, if death was expected, you know, uh, there, there really would not be a whole lot of need for that kind of review. But if, if we had an unexpected outcome or an unexpected problem develop, uh, uh, yeah, I, I found it very, very useful to uh, just to sort of do a um, uh, sort of like a, an autopsy of, of, the, of the case and then. To, to, to try to best understand what, what had gone wrong. Um, um, you know, it, it, in some situations, we actually would have the pathologist perform an autopsy. Uh, you know, sometimes, uh, um, you know, there, there was a diagnosis that was missed. Uh, um, and, uh, you, know, uh, it, 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 you know, in the future, you, you know, you, you would always try to include, you know, always consider that, that diagnosis. And, and then try to make sure that you wouldn't miss something like that a second time. Sure. Has working in geriatrics changed your view on your own mortality and, and seeing death as part of life? Oh, it, it, it definitely uh, it hasn't necessarily changed my view, but it has made it very, very clear what what sort of lies in store for, for all of us. Uh, um, you know, um, uh, getting getting old and retiring isn't all that it's cracked up today. <laughs> they're 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 uh, you know your, your your body sort of wears out with and, and your mind wears out with time and it's uh, and no one you know gets a free pass on it. It's uh, it's something we all have to sort of deal with. Um, uh, it uh, in some ways it's I think it's made it easier for me to because I sort of I think have an understanding of what's going to happen. Um, so, so, you know, you know, uh, uh, I'm not really all that fearful or afraid of, uh, of what lies in store. Uh, whereas I, I, I guess some of my, uh, uh, family or friends, you, you know, might not have that kind of insight to, 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 to what, to, you know, to what, what to expect. Have you, like, knowing the issues that, that every, like you said, every human being faces in with, with cognitive and uh, physical just wearing out, uh, have you taken some own steps to, to keep your mind and your body uh, sharper? Uh, I, in some ways, I have. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I try to keep my brain working with by, by you know doing the, the uh, playing the violin you know that 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 that's sort of a mentally a challenge uh, um, and trying to do um, a good bit of reading um, physically uh, I, I I guess I, I could be doing a little bit better um, I, I I sort of know what needs to be done it's uh, sometimes it's hard to put it uh, in, into practice unfortunately. 
one of the things that I that we see a lot with older patients is uh, something called polypharmacy. Uh, you know, it, it was not unusual for me to see uh, patients on 30, 40 medications uh, at one point in time. Yeah, so I, I, I've sort of, in some ways, have resolved to, to try to avoid going down that road if I can. Uh, Do you believe that's a big problem within our healthcare system, the, the overprescription of medications? It, it's it's a, a problem that, that you know, I, I sort of recognized, uh, uh, but unfortunately, the, the drug companies uh, uh, and, the, and the medical care system have it rigged so that it's a problem many times that you can't avoid. Um, um, you, you know, uh, there are, are practice of care guidelines that are put out and uh, recommendations that the, that the drug companies make uh, where, you know, if you're, let's say you're diagnosed with congestive heart failure, that automatically might buy you being on five or six medications just because you have that one diagnosis. Um, and uh, older patients lots of times have 20, 30 different things going on. And, it, and if you're following the, 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 the practice guidelines, the standard of care for each of all those diagnoses, you, you know, you very, very rapidly get into a, uh, a horrible situation with regard to medication prescribing. You use the word rigged. Like, who do you place most of that blame on? The, the healthcare providers or is it the, the drug companies or kind of a combination of both? Well, it's a combination of both. The uh, uh, managed care uh, is uh, is responsible for some of it, and and the pharmaceutical companies are are, are definitely uh, uh, responsible for some of this. Uh, um, it, it's uh, that, that's one of the things actually that 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 I, I did not like at the end of my career was uh, uh, all the, uh, the the prescribing that that uh, that. that that, that, I was, that I was doing. I, I, I never felt like I was really doing a great service to my patients, having them on that many medications. Uh, but a, a lot of times I felt trapped. You, you know, if someone were to review uh, the chart on my patient, uh, um, you know, as I said, you know, if they had a diagnosis of coronary artery disease, congestive heart failure, COPD, you, you know, uh, you know, if, if I was providing the, the basic minimums, uh, 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 you know, of the care that was expected, you know, that, that patient would need to be on 10 or 15 medications. Uh, uh, never really felt good about that. If you said the guidelines would say that for specific conditions you need, uh, that there's a protocol for certain drugs and you went against that and let's say the outcome wasn't good, would you, would that be the basis for some sort of malpractice or legal repercussions? It potentially could. Uh, um, you, you know, w one of the things that, that, that occupied a lot of my time also was uh, uh, medical documentation. And, um, you, you know, uh, uh, especially in my older patients, you know, it was my practice to do a monthly review of what was going on. And uh, if I wasn't using medications that, that were in the practice guidelines, I, 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 I would usually address that in my monthly note. Uh, um, you know, I, I would say, I, you know, I realized that the patient has congestive heart failure, but because of X, Y, and Z, I, I am not going to prescribe them, you know, the, the following medications. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's a way out of, out of the, the, the trap if, if you need to, uh, to try to get out of it. Uh, uh, but it, it, it requires time. You need to sit down, think about it, document it, uh, you know, uh, and uh, a lot of times, you know, the, 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 it's, time is a very precious commodity when, when you're practicing medicine. Uh, a lot of times you really don't have that 
So you said end-of-life care was a big part of your job. Talk about the experience and specifically the emotions of telling someone that they don't have long to live. Well, the... Uh... You know, I uh, I frequently had patients come to me who, um, have, you know, just, uh, 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 just just in a matter of, of seconds, just actually on first glance, you, you knew we're, we're, um, we're doing very poorly and, and, and had very, very little chance of, of being around uh, a month from now. Um, um, but but I, I was amazed at how... Um, uh, frequently, th- these patients had absolutely no idea <laughs> uh, uh, about what their medical diagnoses were and what their prognosis was. Um, um, I, I, I think you, you do your patient a, a, a very good service if you can just sort of give them a clue as to what lies ahead. Uh, if it's very clear to you that, that your patient isn't going to be around a month or two from now, uh, you, you know, um, they, they, they need to say goodbye to to the people that are important to them, uh, they need to get uh, their uh, their affairs in order. You know, if they don't have a will, they need to get a will. They they need to put uh, uh, things in place legally that that need to be put into place. Uh, um, um, you, you know. Um, as I, as I said, you know, I, I, I've never really gotten a whole lot of negative pushback in, in uh, trying to let my patients know what uh, what lies ahead. Uh, uh, typically, uh, y- you know, uh, f- physicians um, will uh, uh, have a tendency to overestimate <laughs> a patient's prognosis. So, so if, if I was seeing a patient and I thought they had a couple of months, actually that patient might only really have had a couple of weeks. Uh, y- you know, um, um, you know, uh, it, it, that's one of, the, of the, the, the traps that we fall into. You said that oftentimes patients wouldn't even know that they we're very close to the end of life. Uh, what, what do you attribute to that? Just an accessibility to healthcare or? Well, no, no. Some of these patients were getting healthcare. Um, a lot of times they have different providers. Every time they come in, a different physician is seeing them. Uh, so so not, not having a uh, uh, the same provider seeing them uh, from visit to visit, uh, um, uh, a lot of times I think can, can, uh, can contribute to the problem. Um, 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 sometimes there's, there's, uh, uh, the, the patient's in denial, uh, you, you know, um, they, they don't want to believe that, uh, that there's something very seriously wrong with them. Um, and, and they're part of the problem, you know, um, um but, uh, uh, I think that is a very important thing that, that, that we can provide, a service that we can provide. Um, there, there, there actually are some nice uh, uh, computerized tools that, that uh, you can even use. There's a, there's a, a tool called ePrognosis where you can just type ePrognosis into your search bar. You know, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the site will come up. You can put in information about your patient, and it, it can sort of... Uh, uh, be a check as to whether you're being too optimistic or too pessimistic with regard to your prognosis. But that, 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 that's been a very nice tool that, that has be, been available for the past couple of years. Um, um, but uh, you're, you're clearly, you know, if, if someone uh, is not expected to be around for, for a, a protracted period of time, the, the, the patient and the family need to have a little bit of time to prepare for would you obviously there, there's a lot of um, 
that that's just got to be an explosion of emotions for a lot of people to be told that they were that their prognosis doesn't look very good. Would you say there's more? Is there just more kickback from the actual patient, or do you, do you typically see their family getting more worked up about the situation? I don't know. I I um, I, I very rarely get kickback from the patient. It's typically the family, and and it typically uh, the children. It's typically the, the family members who are not living with with the patient that that, that are most uh, likely to. Um, uh, to, to um, not not accept the diagnosis, uh, you know, I I, I find the spouse uh, uh, sort of knows what's going on, and, and they're not very surprised by, by what I'm telling them. Uh, but but the children uh, who aren't in the house, they, they they're the ones who um, uh, a lot of times have a very difficult time accepting it. Um, a lot of times they'll want to have things done that they just are very inappropriate. Uh, uh, don't want life prolonging things to be done. Just taking these these exo- like crazy measures that that won't end up in a positive outcome. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, if, so- if someone has metastatic cancer, uh, you know, you know, putting them on life support doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, uh, Are you obligated to to go along with what they're saying though, just because? What the fact? No, I'm I'm obligated just to do what the patient wants me to do. Uh, uh, even if the spouse wants things done differently, it's it's the patient that. Uh, um, that that really drives the whole decision making process. Uh, um, uh, most most of the time, the, the patients have been very very reasonable. So sometimes the, the 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 trap we get into is sometimes the patient is uh, is comatose or demented or not able to participate in the decision making process, and then sometimes the spouse or the the children. For one reason or another, uh, you know, want things done that are very inappropriate, and and and, and that, that's that 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 that, that <laughs> that's one of one of the, uh, the mm. problems that we have to sometimes deal with. I was actually playing uh, golf, I think, a, a few weeks ago, and a, a gentleman I was playing with was talking about his 93-year-old mother, and kind of he was saying that it, she kind of accepted her her fate and that. You know, if she didn't wake up tomorrow, she'd be fine with it. Um, and, and he was essentially saying to me, you know, you really don't want to live until you're 93. Nobody should want to live till they're 93. Do you agree with that statement? No, oh, that's that's not necessarily true. Uh, they're, they're, uh, I, I've taken care. Of, I actually had a gentleman who was uh, 104 that, that was still coming into my office. Uh, uh, he, I mean, he was very clear mentally and, and was actually doing fairly well physically uh you know there, there's no reason if, if you're doing well that that you shouldn't keep going on uh um there, there, there's some people that are very very sick uh unfortunately so it, it really de- it, it, what you need to really focus in is not necessarily on the quantity of life but the quality of life and if, if you're fortunate enough to have a, a fairly high quality of life you know more power to you uh you know um I, I mean, I, I have an aunt who's 93. She, she, she's doing fine. <laughs> she, you know, uh, there's, there's no reason why she shouldn't. Going off that, that quality versus quantity, I've. it seems like a pretty accepted thought that when it comes to, to, to getting older and declining, that you, you want to have more of a, a steep drop off as opposed to a gradual decline that essentially prolongs right. the suffering of the patient. At what point did you... Like, how would you take steps to either minimize a gradual decline or, or bring about more of a steep decline so to, to decrease uh, the suffering of the patient? Well, 
the the um, the steep decline. Uh, uh, typically, your older patient is going through a gradual decline, <laughs> and, and uh, really, your goal is to sort of keep your patient on on that course if you can. Uh, uh, you, you you can try to motivate your your uh, motivate your patient to um, keep active physically, exercise, eat right. Uh, um, you know, not smoke, you know, to, to, to do the correct things, but they're, they're still just because they're getting older are going to have a very gradual decline. Uh, the, the, the steep decline that, that we see in, in almost all of our patients that happens because, because of, of, of an event, uh, you know, you, you, maybe your patient gets a pneumonia and, and just doesn't bounce back, or maybe they, they fall and they break a hip and they don't bounce back. And then, unfortunately, once you start to get into that steep decline, that then, then it is just a matter of a year or two uh, in, in most cases. So, to your 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 patient will pass away, and well, and and um, there may not be a whole lot you can do uh, once they're in in that steep decline. So it sounds like you're kind of saying the the opposite because I was reading that theoretically you would want somebody to kind of live to a hundred, right, and then kind of just have a a brief drop-off period where they weren't healthy and they were bedridden, et cetera, whereas opposed, as opposed to the idea that somebody is in bed through their 80s and 90s. Oh, no, no, no. You, you, you're not going to have someone in bed for, the, for that long of a period of time. Uh, typically, you know, um, typically your, your patient will, will do well and then something will happen. They'll have a stroke or they'll, they'll fall or... Uh, and and um, and and uh, if if they they do get into difficulty with the functional decline, uh, um, what, what your goal would be is to try to get them back to their prior level of functioning. If you can accomplish that goal, then you 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 may be able to keep that patient going for for a, a, a significant period of time. Uh, if, if you're not, you're not. Uh, um, you know, having your patient, you know. Um, Try to address their medical problems, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, preventive immunizations. You know, uh, um, th- those are the things that are going to keep your patient healthy uh, and sort of put off that that steep decline somewhere in, 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 uh, further off in the future. Um, you know. Um, the, 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 that's sort of that's sort of what you're trying to accomplish with your office visits is, is uh, uh, seeing the patient back maybe two or three times a year, and, and trying to be on the lookout for for things that uh, that you can do to sort of keep them uh, uh, from uh, keep them as healthy as you can keep them. Um, unfortunately, you, you know, uh, all your older patients have different genetics. Uh, if your patient has has really good a good genetic background, you know, they, they might not need your help. You know, they, they don't, they'll make it to 100 on their own. Uh, if your patient uh, has a genetic type background where they where they have a lot of problems, you know, to trying to, to do the best you can medically with those problems. Or in terms of longevity, where would you say what percentage uh, is genetics and what percentage is lifestyle? Uh, I, I think a, a significant percent of it is genetic. Uh, you know, if you, like over, like seventy-five percent or more. This isn't scientific. I, I, I don't know for certain <laughs> what would break it down. But, but my, my, I, I would say three quarters genetics and then a quarter lifestyle. Uh, I, okay. I, 
Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 livestock can be a very very uh, uh, you know beneficial thing for your health. Sure. Uh, yeah. I would have thought it was more livestock. I I think a lot of uh, about longevity and and thinking lifestyle is is big, but uh, genetics is apparently plays a huge role. Let's say you have a genetic predisposition for heart disease. Let's, let's say you're, 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 you're a very strong family history of heart disease. I, I, I've, uh, I've, uh, I, I've had fellow physicians uh, um, who uh, have exercised, dieted, and then still you know, gotten into trouble with a, a heart attack, even, even though they were doing everything right. They weren't smoking. They weren't eating uh, the, the wrong foods. They, they were... They were doing everything by the book, and they still got into trouble. So, you, the, the, the genetics is is a, a very important. Uh, I, I I personally think it's it's probably the most important thing. And you can modify some of that genetic, uh, uh, you know, uh, predisposition uh, by, by lifestyle changes, uh, and maybe put things off. But but you know. It, it, the genetics is a really hard thing to get by. So another sticky situation I wanted to address was families often face the dilemma of when to put their parents or older individuals into some form of assisted living. And obviously you want to be precautious and, and prevent that fall or prevent some other steep decline. Um, but at the same time, there's the trade-off where you're ultimately taking away their independence. When should a family say, you know, now's the time to make that move before something bad happens? Well, I, I, I've always been, uh, I've always sort of let, uh, encouraged the patient to stay in their home type setting uh, until until it became clear that it, it just wasn't safe anymore. So, you know, when it, when it becomes clear to the patient and to the family that, that, that things are happening, that, that that are that are unsafe. That, that then it's time to to um, to to think of uh, an assisted living uh, or uh, other type of living situation. Uh, so sometimes it, it's just a matter of getting a family member um, into the house with the patient, and, and the patient might be able to continue to to live in a home type setting. Uh, the the goal really is to have the patient uh, stay in a home setting as long as possible. Um, you know, you know, once once the, the patient gets put into a nursing home, their uh, life expectancy really, really drops. Um, you know, a, a, a patient who's put into a nursing home might only really have 12, 18 months or so. It, 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 it's usually not, not a very good prognosis to, to, to be put in, in a nursing home. Mm. Um, in, in countries like Japan, where the patients can be kept at home, um, you know, they're, they're, the older patients do much better from a life expectancy standpoint. Interesting. But uh, it, it really needs to be individualized. Uh, you know, if a patient uh, uh, is cognitively intact, they might be able to stay home longer because they, they can make use of, um, uh, you know, of a variety of resources. Uh, you know, they, 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 you know the, the, the cell phone actually has been a godsend. You know, if someone just leaves their cell phone on them, they basically have a, uh, you know, a, a 24-hour uh, safety net uh, available to them. Um, and if, if they need help, they, they just have to fi- they just have to figure out how to use them, um, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why I say if they're cognitively intact, they can make use of that. If if they're cognitively intact, they're not going to know 
you know, you know what to do with the uh, with the cell mm-hmm. phone. Uh, so, I'll going off the the, the things you're saying about uh, cognitive uh, decay and Alzheimer's is definitely a big thing that we we're still trying to figure out what developments and what uh, advances have you seen over your career and, and where do you think that care for Alzheimer's is going? Well, in our country, uh, Alzheimer's is, is the most important. Uh, it's, 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 it's the, the, the largest cause of, uh, of dementia. Uh, um, we, 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 I think we understand that there is a very significant genetic component to Alzheimer's, but there, there may be also some other uh, component that that's playing a role uh, uh p- people have wondered uh, whether maybe there might be some infectious disease uh, uh or, or uh, you know that, that that might be partly responsible for it uh, um you know there there have been twin studies done where one of the, the twins have uh, they're identical twins with the exact same genetic makeup uh, one of the, the, the twins becomes the men and the other one doesn't so you know it, it, it may be a situation where we have a uh, genetic predisposition, and then you're exposed to something, or uh, be it a chemical or infectious agent uh, um, that, that leads to the full manifestation of the disease. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we don't really have any great treatment for, uh, for dementia. There, there, there are a variety of drugs being marketed to the public, but they're the really not, uh, not all that uh, efficacious. Uh, uh, a lot of money is going into research, so you know, you know, hopefully, somewhere down the road, uh, uh, that the cause of Alzheimer's will become more apparent, and uh, uh, a better treatment will be uh, will, will be found for for uh, for the Alzheimer's patients. Throughout your career, you've worked uh, pretty extensively in the VA VA medical system. What are the the strengths and strengths and weaknesses of the the VA system? Um, the the, um, the VA system um, uh, 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 the VA system uh, is very closely in- integrated with the uh, uh, academic uh, uh, system. So almost every VA hospital, uh, I've been, uh, and probably all the VA hospitals have an, an academic affiliation. Uh, um, so that there, there there is a fairly close. Um, Back and forth between uh, uh, the medical schools and, and the VA hospitals. A lot of research uh, uh, being done. Um, the, the VA was one of the very first institutions, uh, one of the first uh, uh, large groups uh, in, in the medical care system that, that became uh, uh, computerized. Uh, you know, the uh, the uh, the electronic data system uh, uh, was. Uh, has been part of the VA for for, for many many years. Uh, uh, so so you know if you are studying a problem, uh, um, there's just a huge amount of, of data on tap uh, uh, in the VA computer system that 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 uh, that, that that you can make use of. Uh, it's it's kind of the 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 bureaucracy and and waste that we see in the government. Does that carry over to the VA? I I, I didn't really. Get to, uh, fortunately for me at the VA, I, I didn't really have much 
back and forth with the administration or the bureaucracy. So I, I was pretty insulated from all that. Uh, that. That was actually one of the nice things working for the VA is I, I, I didn't really have to worry too much about insurance forms. I didn't have to worry about uh, whether a patient could pay for a treatment or not. Uh, we did. We were limited at times from using uh, very expensive medication because they weren't on formulary. Uh, but to be quite honest, I, I never really felt bad about not prescribing medication that was going to cost, you know, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Uh, you know, um, uh, a lot of times those medications really didn't make mm. that much of a difference anyhow. Um, um, as a physician, I, I guess working within the VA system, I, I, I didn't get to, to take care of many female patients. So, um, and, and I, I didn't really get to take care of many young patients. But most of my veterans were were, uh, were elderly. Um, I'd say probably ninety five percent of the uh, of the veterans that that I uh, you know was responsible for over the age of sixty five. Um, so, so you know, should I go back and practice medicine? Uh, you know, I, I guess I would be a little uneasy taking care of the female uh, portion of the population and, and the younger uh, uh, mm. portion of the population. So, tell us, uh, tell us an interesting story about one of your most fascinating patients. Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't think, if, from a HIPAA standpoint, if I should get into too much with regard to to, to patients. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I just just a general, um, you know, was there anybody who you really found fascinating? Well, you, you know, I, I mentioned to you, you know, that I, I did take care of this 104-year-old patient. Uh, uh, I, I found him very fascinating. He he was uh, 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 he had fought in World War One, uh, and uh, you know, he uh, yeah, he actually did remarkably well for. Uh, for a very long period of time, uh, he uh, uh, he had lived his first wife, so he had to be married, and he had a second wife, uh, and uh, he, he was well on his way to outliving her also. <laughs> um, it, see, the, the, the interesting thing about him was that uh, he, when he got to be about 160, he finally started to get uh, dementia, um, and, uh, and and, and then that's ultimately what, what, what did mm. him in was you know. He needed to go into a nursing home and then sort of a, um, a downward spiral from there. Um, I, 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 I think we're all going to have to deal with dementia at some point. I, I think his genetic makeup was 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 very good, and he got to to deal with it at the age of 105. Whereas some people, if they're unfortunate and, and have the wrong genetic makeup, might be dealing with it in their 50s or 60s. Uh, but uh, yeah, he he, he was remarkable person. He, uh, interestingly enough, was not on very many medications. Uh, um, he, uh, he actually uh, uh, managed to stay healthy on his own, which, which was sort of nice So if you were to say. say to somebody the, the one thing they should do in order to, to remain healthy into their old age, what would that be? Well, uh, probably the most important thing you can do for yourself is not smoke cigarettes. <laughs> very, very, very important uh, uh, thing, uh, um, you know, a lot of my veterans were smokers, and uh, um, you know, with regard to lung, uh, you know, lung disease, heart disease, cancer, you, you know, that definitely took a, a huge toll. Um, you know, living your life in moderation, you know, you're trying to maintain a healthy weight. That 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 always was uh, uh, 
was something that I found very, very useful to, uh, you know, keeping an eye on with my patients. Uh, uh, if, if they could stay in that, uh, that, 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 that BMI of 20 to 25, you know, that they, uh, uh, you know, that really was the thing to, to shoot for. It was very clear to me, you know, that the people that were morbidly obese did very poorly, uh, you know, um, you know, I had 40 year olds die just because they were just so morbidly obese. Uh, 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 exercise, you know, the more active that you can keep yourself, the, the, the better, um, you know, s sitting at a, at a desk or sitting on the couch uh, most of the day is, is probably as bad for you as smoking cigarettes. Uh, so so that, 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 that's something, yeah, it's something you really want to try to avoid. Uh, um, Using alcohol in moderation also very very important. Because there's some of the re some of the recent studies that are coming out suggest <laughs> you probably should completely abstain from alcohol. But that's uh, that, that, that's another story there. Yeah. Well, Dr. Frank Polio, thanks for your time today. Oh, okay, John. That concludes this episode of Esculapius. Till next time, I'm your host, John Neary. Be well.